Hey, this is Lee Snow. I'm the preacher of Warm Springs Road Church of Christ, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for downloading today. I hope it inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it gives you a perspective to see what God wants to do in your life, and I hope it challenges you to a faithful tomorrow. All right, good morning. If you want to, you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I'll meet you there as soon as I can. Acts, the second chapter. You may have noticed um, that the back wall is pretty covered by a giant poster. We'll talk about that giant poster here in just a second, okay? But, banner, poster, whatever you call Listen, okay, can we, can we acknowledge something? Is this baptistry running, bu- like, bugging any of y'all? Because it's driving me crazy. Anyways, all right, so... Um, in 2000, when was that? 2006, I guess. Um, I was privileged to go to New York City. Now, here's the, here's the catch. It was a bunch of folks from Arab going to New York City. And it was, to say a culture shock would be a, would be a, an understatement. Um, I had been to big cities before. I had gone to places like Atlanta and like Birmingham and Huntsville, you know, um, and Orlando, but I had never, I, I remember walking to the base of the Empire State Building and thinking, There's, this is impossible, this is an illusion, there's no way you can build this high. And then that night we went to a place called Croton-on-Hudson, which was where my dad was staying, he was working up there and so forth, but anyways, we went to a New York diner, an official, honest-to-goodness you know, the, the stainless steel building, you know, the old style New York diner. And they sat the menu in front of me. And I just kind of sat there in awe for a minute. It was like 50 pages and had everything you could imagine from Mediterranean to Chinese to American to Greek to, I mean, all sorts of different foods, every kind of food you could imagine. And I just really didn't know what to do. So I, I told the lady, um, you just give me whatever you think I want. So I got pancakes and eggs and bacon at a New York diner because that's all I could think of. Um, that's all she you know, knew that the kid from Arab would ever want to eat, I guess. Have you ever been kind of overwhelmed by choices, so many choices that you just don't know where to go? You, know, you just don't know which one to buy or which one to pick. Or You go to a coffee shop. Um, it's easy when I go to it. Hey, look at that. Somebody turned it off. Good job. All right. Um, it's, uh, it's easy when I go to a coffee shop because I walk in and they say, what would you like? And, you know, there's all these different choices, thousands of different, you know, you can pick whatever you want. And I say, um, I'll take a black coffee, please. And they kind of, at first, they kind of look at you strange. And then they go, okay, cool. And then they give it to you. Um, that back poster back there, everybody turn around and look at the poster so everybody knows what I'm talking about. The banner, poster, whatever. 
into all the world starting right here. Lee County, 37.8% unchurched. Russell County, Harris County, Muskogee County, so forth. Those are the percentages of people who live in those counties, the four counties that realistically all of us are from, right? We have some that live in Marion County. You didn't make it on the banner, I'm sorry. But we have some that live in Marion County, but for the most part, our church lives in Lee, Russell, Harris, or Muskogee. Those are the percentages of people that live in those four counties that don't go to church anywhere. Not including the people that go to church somewhere, but they don't understand that what they're doing at those churches is not really prescribed by God. And they're misunderstanding. And, and that's, a, that's an important thing that we need to focus on. But just for instance, the county you're sitting in, Muskogee County, 33.8% of people that live in Muskogee County don't go anywhere. That's what is called unchurched, okay? In the biz, you know, in the preaching biz, we call those people unchurched. I don't know why. More like non-churched. But unchurched sounds a lot better. If you were to ask any person that's, that's going to be honest about themselves, why, why do you not... Why do you not evangelize? Why do you not teach people about Jesus Christ? Chances are you're going to get one of a couple of options. One answer is I just don't know enough. But the fact of the matter is, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what you did, and you know what convinced you. And so that, that, that option, I just don't know enough, just doesn't cut it. There's just not, there's nothing there. You know what convinced you to follow Jesus Christ. You know what you did in order to follow Jesus Christ and obey the gospel. And so you know what someone else does, what else needs, what someone else needs to do. Well, then you get the, well, I just, I just don't know where to go. I mean, we used to, used to, you'd go and you'd pick a, an area like Morningside Drive, right? You'd pick back there behind our church building and you'd say, I'm going to knock every house on that drive. I did the math um, just to see if, if one person were going to knock every house around Morningside Drive, in the Morningside area, um, in one year, you'd have to knock about 100 houses a week. It's kind of impossible, let's be honest, right? There's so many choices. There's so many people. We see so many different people. Uh, uh, just going to Walmart, you see 150 people that you have no clue who they are. There's so many choices. You just don't know where to turn. You don't know where to look, right? You don't know well, what... What, um, what do I say to the person that's sitting in, in, in the doctor's office beside me? How do I start that conversation? What do I do with the person that's checking me out at Walmart? How do I start that conversation? There's so many choices that oftentimes we get overcome by the choices, just like going to a New York diner, or like a coffee shop or something else, that we just decide, never mind. There's, there's so many people, there's no way I can make an, a dent, and so I'll just stop altogether. If you were to ask the people in the first century where they went, that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to ask the people in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2 starting, all the way to Acts chapter 16, where did you go? How did you start the conversation? Okay, And I guarantee you that the answer you're going to see is not we put together a plan and we looked at demographics. And we, we focused in on people 18 to 35. You know, one of the, one of the things I do um, in addition to full-time preaching is I help 
churches teach or reach the people around them. And so I do a lot on like Facebook and, you know, my dad the other day said, um, he said, why do you even mess with Facebook? Because he hates it. And I said, well, it's kind of like my job. In addition to the church, I help other churches do it. You know, you get on there and you want to run an ad. You focus in on people 18 to 35 that like this demographic. They like this. You know, if you're going to do a, a thing about, I don't know, hiking, you're going to pick 18 to 35 that like this store or that like this thing. If you look at the people in Acts, you're not going to see that. Okay. So Acts chapter two, what did they do? How did they start the conversation? Where did they go? And and how how did by the end of the book of Acts, there were so many Christians in the Roman Empire? Now, I think we we miss this this statistic pretty often. By the end of the book of Acts, there are so many Christians in the Roman Empire that covered the known world, covered all the way from the the Atlantic Sea, the, the, the Atlantic Ocean, all the way to China, okay? That's how big the Roman Empire was at the time. There were only two empires at that time, Rome and China. And China had the east pretty much covered. And from China all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, that's how big the Roman Empire is. By the end of the book of Acts, there are so many Christians that that empire that covers that much land with that many people and that many cultures... They're starting to worry about Christianity. Because they know that Christianity is different than what we are. And if people start following Christianity, they're going to stop following the Roman Empire. By the end of the book of Acts, that's how big and influential the church of Jesus Christ was. Okay? So let's ask them. Acts chapter 2. You find a bunch of misfits in an upper room, scared to death because they don't know what to do. And they're praying and they're singing. And they're doing what they've always done when they were following Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes. And they walk outside and they start teaching people about Jesus Christ. And it just so happens that that day is also Pentecost. And so there's thousands, maybe millions. Uh, conservative estimates say that there were probably around four to five million people in the city of Jerusalem on Pentecost. They walk outside that door of the house that had the upper room, and they just start teaching people. And that day, Peter is recorded as speaking, but all the others are speaking too. That day in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 and 38, they ask him, what should we do? And he says, here's what you need to do. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And they do it. They're baptized. And Acts 2, 47 says, 3,000 people are added to the church that day. Now, here's the question. What did they do? Did they put a, together a demographic study? Did they look and see, we're going to go knock this many doors? No. They walked outside their door, and there were people standing there. And they said, I'm going to teach that one. And then I'm going to teach that one. And then I'm going to teach that one. And then that one. They just went outside and looked around and saw people. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John... Go to pray at the temple at the customary time. Now, we can get into the ramifications of why they're doing that and everything else, but here's the deal. These boys grew up as Jews. They are used to praying at certain times of day, and they're used to going to the temple at certain times of day to do those, that prayer, that praying. So that's what they do. 
They're fitting their normal culture. There's nothing wrong with going and praying. And so they're going to the, to the, to the temple to pray. But there's people there, and so they start preaching to them. Acts chapter 4. Because they're preaching on the temple grounds, and because they're preaching the, the name of this man named Jesus, who had died, I don't know, probably about 75 days before that. Because they're doing that, they're arrested. And instead of saying, woe is me, look how horrible the government is, the government's against religion, the government hates religion, the government hates Christian. Instead of saying all of that, they said, well, uh, there, there's obviously some people who are going to have to listen to what we have to say. So a door opens, not a physical door, a, a, a figurative door opens, and they teach those people the gospel. All right, forward, fast forward to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. They're arrested again, and a door opens. Acts 2 they open the physical door of the house that they're in. They look around and there's people everywhere. Acts 3, they go to pray and the door opens, a figurative door. Acts 4, they're arrested and another door opens. Acts 5, they're arrested again and another door opens. Here's the interesting one. Turn to Acts chapter 6. This is the one that always, this one is really amazing to me. Acts chapter 6 verse 1. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... By the way, increasing in number means by this time there's probably somewhere around eight to 9,000 Christians. That's a lot. We think about the church all the way through the book of Acts as being a couple people. There's eight to 9,000 people. Do you realize that the town I grew up in, Arab, Alabama, we don't know how to spell it, we don't know how to pronounce it, but guess what? There were more Christians than the city that I grew up in by Acts chapter 6. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's the, that's the, there are no Gentiles in the church at this point. There are no people who are outside of the Jewish nation, but there are Jews who knew Greek and who conformed with the Greek culture a little more than the rest of the Jews, the Hellenists, okay? There, a complaint arose among the Hellenists against the Hebrews, the, the good old-fashioned Jews, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. They were taking care of the, the widows in the church. And so the Hellenists, the, the more Greek-centered Jews in the church, started saying, well, the, 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 the good old-fashioned Jews are getting all the food in our our widows aren't getting any food. And so, instead of saying, well, let's just start two new congregations, what they said was, verse 2, and the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and full of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word, what they said pleased the whole, whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. 
These they set before the apostles and they prayed and laid their hands on them. The word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Acts 2, a door opens. Acts 3, a door opens. Acts 4, a door opens. Acts 5, a door opens. Acts 6, a church fight happens. And instead of saying, let's just start two new congregations, a door opens. Let's get some people to take care of that so we can go preach the gospel. Acts chapter 7, Stephen is arrested for preaching the gospel. One of those men that was, that was chosen in Acts 6, he's arrested and told that he's not supposed to preach in the name of Christ. And he sees that as an open door. You can't tell one of these early Christians not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ because there's too many doors that are opening. There's too many options. There's too many people out there. Acts chapter 8, Saul, this is the one that preachers always love. Saul comes and he starts to persecute the church and the apostles stay in Jerusalem and the church runs away. The church leaves. That's the only time in history where the preacher stays and the church moves. Every time else, it's the church stays and the preacher has to move. That's a preacher joke. You didn't get it. It's okay. Anyways, let's move on. All right, so Acts chapter 8, Saul starts persecuting the church and they say this is an opportunity for us to leave and to do more good where we're going to go. And so all those people, the thousands of people who had been, con who had been converted on Pentecost and in Acts 3 and in Acts 4, 5 and 6 and 7, all those people, they go back to their own homes. Because up until this point in Acts 2, all these people come in for Pentecost and they're converted and they stay. Because now they're part of something that's bigger than them. And they stay and they're, they're fellowshipping and they're worshiping together. In Acts 8, they realize we need to go back home. That's why there's churches by the end of the book of Acts in Rome. When Paul gets there and no apostle had ever been there, there's already a church there. Because in Acts 8, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the apostle, he, he persecuted the church so much that the Christians said we need to go back to our homes and we can live our Christianity there. A door opened and it came by persecution. So they've had a door open because of uh, arrests. They've had a door open because of a religious service in Acts 2. They've had a door open because of persecution. They've had a door open because of a church fight. Acts chapter 9, Paul sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. He goes into Damascus. Three days he's praying and the door opens. Now Paul is a Christian. He's been baptized for the remission of his sins. In Acts 22, he's recounting the, the, thing, the, the account. And Acts 22, 16, he says, Ananias told me, arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. And I did that. And now, the guy who caused all the Christians to leave Jerusalem is now the one that's going to go all over the world and preach the gospel to every person. Acts chapter 10. They have to figure out What's going on with these Gentiles? Peter sees a vision. He goes to a man named Cornelius' house, who's a Roman soldier. Who's in, he's, he's pretty important, but he goes to the Roman soldier's house, and he ends up baptizing this guy. And now what do we do? Now a door has opened, not only to the Jews in Jerusalem and the Jews in Rome and the Jews in Corinth and the Jews everywhere else. Now the door is opened, and now Gentiles are allowed in. Acts chapter 11. Some strangers come to Antioch and they start preaching to these Gentiles. 
You know, Peter's the first one to preach to a Gentile and convert him in Acts 10. But these strangers in Acts 11, uh, just open up there real quick. Acts chapter 11. These strangers that come to Antioch, because now, by this time, the church has, the, the apostles have moved to Antioch. And so, chapter 11, verse, um, verse number 19. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. So, now all these doors are opening. Now let's ask this question again. You ask, I don't know. Um, let's say, let's say John, not John the Apostle, but John from Antioch. Okay, he's not in the Bible, but let's just ask a random Christian. How do you preach the gospel to people? And he says, we just go wherever we can. We don't, we don't put together, you know, it's not until Acts chapter 13 where Paul is now back from the region of um, what it's called the desert. The desert. He's, he's back from Asia. Now he's, he's ready to be the apostle that Jesus has commissioned him to be. It's not until Acts 13 that any kind of cooperative, pre-planned event ever happens to preach the gospel. It's not until Paul decides that he's going to take the gospel and he's going to go on a missionary journey. Up until this point, they've just been converting everybody that's around them. But now, in Acts 13, Paul has a, has a concerted effort. We're going to go on a mission journey. It's never happened before in the history of the church that we know of, where I'm going to go on a mission journey, and I'm going to take money from churches, and I'm going to go all over the world, and I'm going to preach to people in every city. And they plan it out. We're going to go up Asia Minor through modern-day Turkey. We're going to turn around and we're going to come down the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. It's the first time it's ever happened. Up until this point, you ask a Christian how they converted people, and they're going to tell you, we just, we just go through whatever door Jesus opens. Now, Paul goes on this mission journey, and then he comes back, and in Acts 16, he decides it's time to go again. So, Turn to Acts chapter 16. We're finally to the text for our sermon this morning. Acts 16, verse number 6. So they've come back from their first missionary journey. And meanwhile, the Christians are still doing what they've always done. They're still converting people in their, in their cities and in their families and so forth. But Paul is, has this concerted effort to go on these mission journeys. He's going to these cities. And he comes back. And then it's time to go back because he figures if you start a church they're usually not ready to be by themselves. And so I'm going to go back through the area that I've gone through before, and I'm going to strengthen all those brethren. Acts chapter six or 16, he's on this second mission journey in verse number 6. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Asia is, um, Asia in the Bible is not Asia that we think of, Okay. Asia in the Bible is that area kind of east of Turkey and north of, say, Afghanistan. Okay, that's Asia, Afghanistan, 
north of that up to the Caspian Sea. All that is, is Asia to the people in the Bible, okay? They wanted to go there, but they couldn't because the Spirit told them they couldn't go there. And so they decide they're going to keep going through some of the places that they went the first time, but they're just going to leave that area for a little while, and then maybe they'll come back to it. Verse number 7, When they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Okay, so if you look at a map, if, if you go to the back of your Bible, your Bible probably has a map in it. Our, our projector is not working this morning, but I wanted to show you a map. If you look at the map, he goes from Jerusalem and Antioch up, and you can see that he almost turns into Asia, but the Spirit tells him he can't. And so he goes down, and he's going around the coast, and he's going to, he's going to skim that coast of the Mediterranean Sea all the way back to Antioch. But the problem is, now, Acts 16, he has this vision. And so... Verse 9, a vision appeared to Paul in the night, a man of Macedonia standing there, urging him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia, including, uh, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So if you look at a map of the second missionary journey of Paul, he gets there, and then all of a sudden, you can see where he wants to go, but all of a sudden, he just takes a right turn and goes into Greece. Gospel had never made it to Greece. This is the first time, Acts 16 is the first time that the gospel, as far as we know it, had made it to Europe. He's going through modern day Turkey and he's going to go back to Antioch and all of a sudden he just takes a right turn and goes into Greece. Why? This vision in Acts 16. Because a door opened. You ask the people in the first century, how do you preach the gospel? They're going to say, we walk through whatever door opens. Paul has a plan. He's the man that has done the first missionary journey. No one had ever done that before. Now, missionary journeys are easy. Right? You get on a plane. You go from Atlanta to Amsterdam to Cairo, Egypt to Kilimanjaro, Tanzania. Right? You get to Tanzania. This is what Wes did. You get to Tanzania and then you live in Arusha, just a couple miles away from there. And every Sunday you go from this church to this church. We've planned it out. We just got done helping Wes do it for three years, right? Mission journeys are easy now. Not back then. But keep in mind that he's on a planned mission journey. And already in Acts 16, he's tried to go to two places. And the Spirit has told him, no, you can't go there. The door has opened up over here and you're going to go there. And then he's willing to change his plans at the drop of a hat to do that. All right. Now here's why. Here's the whole reason why we just talked about all of that. Okay. I don't have any deep theological, you know, insight into the soul today or insight into eternity today. Here's what I have. 37.8%, 39 39.5%, 28.9%, 33.8%. There are doors open all over where we live. Not to mention that. But if you follow the church's social media the other day, um, we posted on there to pray for a man whose name you may not know how to pronounce. It's Tamelo Thubosi. Isn't that a cool name? My name's Lee Snow. I have the most boring name on the planet, 
Except anytime I tell someone my name, I, they say, what's your name? And I say, Lee Snow. And they go, Reese? Like, like Reese's Pieces? No, Lee Snow. Well, how do you spell that? L-E-E and then the stuff that comes from the sky. That's how I have to tell every single person what my name is. Tamelo Thabosi. Tamelo's a good friend of mine. Just graduated Memphis School of Preaching. His plan, of course, you know, sometimes plans change. But his plan is he wants to go back to Botswana to preach the gospel in Botswana and live here because he made a mistake, y'all. Okay? He made a mistake. And the mistake was he came to America and he met a girl from Birmingham and married her. Okay? So now here's the problem. He met a girl from Alabama, and girls from Alabama don't really take, you know, too well to, to Botswana, Southern Africa. Okay? So his plan is he wants to live in America and go back to Botswana as much as he can and preach the gospel there. He wants to do mission work. Well, in January, he's going to come down here because his plan is maybe he'll just move to Columbus and maybe he can get some support and maybe there's a church that might be well-versed at overseeing the support of people who live in America and go to Africa. So he's going to come to Columbus and see if maybe that's a possibility. On January 13th is when he'll be here. But here's the catch. That's a door that may open in the future. We may be able to, to help him and to, to have an impact in Botswana like we have over the last few years in Tanzania. But here's the catch. If you ask these Christians in the first century, where do you go? There's only one person in the book of Acts who says, I make a plan to go to a different country and I execute that plan. Every other Christian in the book of Acts says, oh, we just convert everybody around us. And then when we convert everybody around us and they start getting mad because we've converted everybody around us, we move and then convert everybody where we are there too. I mean, that's the history of the book of Acts. They converted all of Jerusalem. The Jews get mad. The Jews go to the Romans. The Romans say, do whatever you want. We don't care. Okay, we're going to put together a, a task force led by this man named Saul, and he's going to take care of this Christian problem for us. They've converted so many people that by the time Acts, 8, Acts 7 rolls around, the Jews have put together a task force led by Saul of Tarsus, and he's going he's gonna to eradicate the Christian problem in Jerusalem. But it doesn't work. Because they leave and they go convert people there. To the point where, at the end of the book of Acts, that same man gets converted in Acts 9, goes on a couple mission journeys, and somewhere along there he hears about some of those people who left because of the persecution in Acts 8 and went home to Rome. And Paul says, I want to get to you so bad. I want to meet you. I want to teach you. I want to, I want to encourage you and strengthen you. There's already churches all over the world, not just because of Paul's mission journeys, but because when they saw an open door, they just walked through it and said, we'll figure it out. There are so many people around us this week. As you go to work tomorrow, or as you go to work this afternoon, or as you go to the grocery store, Wherever you go, there are so many people. Chances are it's somewhere around 32% of the people that you'll see don't go to church anywhere. Now, I'm not trying to, to detract from the, the need for teaching people the correct way to follow Jesus Christ. 
I mean, but that's just, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. There are so many people around us that don't, they don't have any preconceived ideas. What's the one thing that people are so scared about when, when it comes to evangelism? What if they ask a question, right, that I don't know the answer to? Those people, they don't have any preconceived ideas about religion other than they don't want to have anything to do with it. And if you show them the good that comes from Christianity, if you show them what a real Christian looks like in your life, they have no preconceived ideas. So there may be doors opening for us in the future, but let's try to focus right now on the doors that are open right now. And let's, let's make a concerted effort to, to not look at, not make plans and do demographics and all that stuff. That's, there's use for that later on. But right now, let's try to convert the people that are around us. Let's, don't even try to convert them. Just talk to them. The Word of God will do the conversion for you. The, the scary thing about evangelism is you think that, that it all relies on you. And one thing that's going to happen in this training course we're starting in February is you will realize it has nothing to do with you. The Word of God is the power. And if you just tell people, it'll do its job. I promise you it'll do its job. Okay? So, if you've heard the Word of God and you want to become a Christian this morning, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you. If you haven't, please let us know. And I promise you, either me or someone else will sit down and talk to you about it. And those of you who are, are, are Christians today, let me say this. We have an obligation to be like those Christians in the first century. We have an obligation to tell people about Jesus Christ. And where you're sitting right now, 33.8% of people in this county, they don't care at all. They don't go anywhere. That's a, that's a good place to start. So, if you need to respond to the invitation by becoming a Christian, maybe you need to repent of sins, we're going to stand and sing a psalm of encouragement for you and let us know while we do that.